Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Ken Cairns, a weekly sports card podcast with lessons he's learned in the hobby and life lessons he's learned along the way. So sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded is the cards. You are now on with Ken. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with me, your host, Ken Cairns. Don't forget to hit me up on social media, on Instagram, at sportscardlessons, underscore lessons. And you can also find me on YouTube by searching Sports Card Lessons. And if you like what you hear, please like, subscribe. Most importantly, tell a friend, spread the word. What is up, everybody? So excited today. I got my guy, Rob Gerard. You guys know him as at Sports Card Therapist. He's got his own podcast. He does the bounce with Amel Serfani, my very good friend, my show partner, my very first guest. Rob, how are you doing? Ken, what's going on, man? Listen, I am excited to be on. I'm feeling super good about being here. Um, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just super happy for you, man. I haven't missed an episode yet. You are uh, you're really laying the groundwork for something good here with sports card lessons, man. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think about where I am in the hobby, where I am in this podcast, and I, I owe a lot of it to you. And, and that's why I, I, you really needed to be my first guest on here. I mean, absolutely, hands down, had to be my first guest. Where I am in this hobby, where I am with my podcast, uh, literally, I would be not even be close to being here without you. Well, listen, man, you know, I think one of the reasons why you and I click so well, um, despite you know, a bit of an age difference. I think we're probably about 16 years um, apart in age. So, I mean, 16 years, that's a generation, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I feel like you and I just totally clicked from the start. And I think it's because we're, I think we're just so much alike. And I think we lead with kindness for the most part, or we try to lead with kindness. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're sponges. We're just forever teachable. Uh, you know, I know, in any conversation I'm ever having, whether if it's about cards or just life in general, um, you know, I'm a sponge. And when you asked me about the whole podcast thing, um, you know, I hope it came across. That was absolutely your biggest cheerleader. And, uh, and, and I love teaching people stuff. So I, I was loving kind of teaching you from just the beginning of how to start a podcast, you know, just with like what tools you need, you know, microphone and stuff all the way up to like us spitballing ideas. I mean, I think it's great, man, because I get ideas about my show from our conversations. So, I mean, it's a bit, we're borrowing from each other. Yeah, and a lot of the, a lot of this happens in the car on the way to these shows. I mean, this my podcast, this sports card underscore lessons. This podcast what was was born in in, in the car at, at five or five thirty in the morning on the way to New Jersey, right? I mean, this is it's the things we talk about, you know that, and and yeah, I, I think we complement each other well. Uh, and, and one thing. Um, I like about you that I, I see in myself is, is very calm. Like we never, we never get too excited. Nothing pushes us over the edge. And, and I, I really, when I, when I, when I'm around people, I like people like that. I like people that can stay calm because, because to me, that's, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing worse than having somebody that's overly excited all the time. 
yeah yeah definitely man and uh i tell you there's I think when, especially when you're talking about business, when you're, and, and really, even though the cards are hobby, it's a hobby for us, you know, it's still business at the end of the day, because we're still dealing with money. We're still dealing with transactions and emotions. I think the last thing we want is a loose cannon around us. Someone that like, we don't know what they could do. Yeah. That's not, that's not anything. You know, you, if you're going to war, if you're going to a show and it could feel like a war in there, just like the chaotic nature of these big shows we do. I think you want someone by your side that, you know, you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. And you can rely on, I mean, we really, and I talk about this on the podcast all the time, how much we rely on each other at these shows, you know, to, to, from watching each other's ta tables or, just to get ideas. What do you think of that? What do you think of this? And I think I come to you more. I think, you know, I, you have more, more hobby information than I do. I'm still young in the hobby, even, even though um, I've been doing it for a while. I learning so much all the time, all the time, every show I learn more, I learn more. Um, and, and, and it's, it's unbelievable. Not that the way we work together, right we travel together but when we're at the shows we can set up right next to each other and there's no way we even step on each other our cases are completely different where our lanes in the hobby are different yeah it, it it just it's just a really good partnership yeah man definitely and uh you know i know um whenever i'm making a move uh you know whether if i'm thinking about one or if i'm making one you know i think it's always good to have you know kind of like that partner in crime that someone that you can trust that you could either bounce stuff off of or share good news with and you know that they'll be genuinely happy for you so you know every day basically i'm calling you or you're calling me we're having conversations every day and it's like hey this is what i'm doing this is what i'm thinking or this is definitely what i'm doing going international this is what i'm doing here there this is my thinking behind this and uh and so yeah man i mean even when you're even if you're not setting up at shows people show you know just having someone a small network of people um that you can depend on is is key and, and to enjoy the hobby with because this is yeah. a hobby that i think deserves to be shared yeah and you have to enjoy it you absolutely you put so much time you don't put this much time into anything else so if you don't enjoy this you know you're you're you're, you're doing it wrong right or, or you need to be somewhere else this you have to enjoy you know I don't know. Like, I know what I was doing. I knew what my background was before, before I came to the hot, you know, my hobby before I started with this was I used to go to the casino all the time. So coming into this hobby, you would think that, you know, I take a lot of chances and my mindset was a lot of in the wax because I think that's what the thrill is, you know, mm. try to hit that big card in a pack of wax. But for the most part, I feel that I've always tried to play it safe and smart when it came to bigger deals and watching you over these last, you know, few months, uh, I, I realized the safe and the smart, you know, lets you move up, you know, inches at a time. But I think when you watching you and seeing how you take chances that it really pays off for you. It, it's starting to change my mind. It, I'm, I'm almost breaking out of my shell, you know, to, to say, okay, I'm not going to be as safe and smart. I'm going to, I'm going to take a few risks. I'm going to take a chance. Well, and you know what? Uh, yet again, another, 
way how we are absolutely alike because uh you know as i you know i I got back in the hobby probably probably about two years ago right kind of the same time everyone did everyone kind of got back into the hobby and um and was there anything that put you back into the hobby was there any one thing that drew you back in and said oh i want to do this again you know no it's so weird so i you know i grew up you know collecting in the junk wax era like a lot of us um you know probably around like 95 um put cards away you know that was when i was like 12 so i was born in 82 by the time 95 comes around um you know i'm thinking more about girls and stuff like that and uh and I put cards away for about 15 years. Then around 2010, 2011, I got back in for only about six months. But what I was doing was I was because I had no cards left from childhood. So what I was doing was I was going on eBay and I was buying these big lots of players who I grew up collecting, you know, Joe Montana, Michael Jordan, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas. You know, I'm buying all these players that I grew up, um, you know, collecting magic johnson all them so charles barkley and i got those put them in binders and then within six months i had them in binders under my bed again so then i got back in right around the time of the pandemic and i had no idea sports card had exploded again i think i probably came back in in the beginning of the pandemic before it was like making mainstream national news um I just remember being bored outside cleaning my patio like spring of 2020 just being bored i had just gotten in the podcast and i'm like huh what podcast do i want to listen to i don't think i want to listen to self-help um and i was like let me search some sports cards podcasts i wonder if there's any out there and sure enough you know i, I stumbled upon one stumbled upon two before you know it i went down that rabbit hole facebook groups um, you know, and, and before you know it, that's what, you know, kind of how I did it. But I think my reason for saying that for getting back into that was to tell you that, like when I got back into man, especially when I started my podcast, sports card therapist, my whole philosophy was goats over prospecting because I've heard horror stories of people investing money in these young players prospecting and then just losing a ton of money and in my opinion you know for me cards has always been about nostalgia so i wanted to collect some of the goats that i grew up watching and even some of the goats that i never got a chance to watch like mickey mantle because for me it was still nostalgic my dad grew up idolizing mickey mantle he would always talk about mickey mantle i can remember him buying one single mickey mantle card for himself because that's all he could afford because we were you know we were lower you know, we were on that lower income bracket. And um, so, but even cards that I would see in magazines growing up, you know, like a Wilt Chamberlain rookie, what, which I just happen to have right next to me right now that I have, um, you know, let me see. I could remember, I could remember seeing this card in a magazine growing up, you know, Wilt Chamberlain rookie. Here I am. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm showing the camera and here I am now owning it. It, it, you know, so it's like I've always been about goats over prospecting. However, I've set my goals to be a little bit more lofty in these last probably six months or so. And so I have been, you know, I've taken off the, the life jacket and I'm swimming yeah. in the deep end and I'm taking some risks. And uh, and some of these risks are panning out and some of these and some other risks, the outcome hasn't been determined yet. So we'll yeah. see. 
you know, I know you just had a couple really big deals go through and those were risks. Those were, those were, you know, in fact, the last one anyway, anyways, was prospecting. Right. And, and when you did it and I listened to, and we have our little group and people are, you know, they were cheering you on. And, but I, I think they, you'd think that, oh, you know, I hope it was a good idea. I hope it was the right time. And was it a little risky? And then it really paid off for you. And I think it really, I mean, I know it opened my eyes, you know, it really opened my eyes that I'm probably going to take a little bit more, more of a chance and get a little bit more riskier. Um, not, not so much because um, I think I could hit a home run with it, but I think the lane that I'm in and what I'm doing with the cards is is the safe lane. I'm in the slow lane, right? And I'm cruising along and I'm making a few dollars and I'm really having fun. But um, I really want something now to get the heart pumping, right? To, to you know, you, 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 you make a big deal. Like I watch you. I see you. I see what happens when you're making that deal. I, I see the sweat start coming up on your forehead, right? Uh, I can see your pulse in your neck. Like, like that's, that's the kind of the exciting thing, you know, that, you know, I think I, I want to kind of get in that lane or at least, at least try it out. At least, at least put my feet in the deep end just a little bit. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and for some of your listeners that might not be familiar, I, I think the deal you're talking about is a deal that I just made about, uh, a little under two weeks ago, we were at the New Jersey trade show and, uh, well, to tell, I'm, I'm going to give this super short abbreviated version. So I spent probably about eight months accumulating some of my grail cards. I mean, Michael Jordan, rookie BGS nine, um, that right there is 15, 16 K LeBron James tops, Chrome refractor rookie PSA eight. That right there is 15, 16 K. Um, uh, the LeBron chalk toss tops Chrome Refractor PSA 10. That was a probably about 6K right there. So, you know, I had I had a few bigger cards and um and someone came up to my table in late February. You were right there next to me and you know offered to buy out some of my bigger cards and gave put 30k cash on the table and said, I'll take these cards at 75 to 80% comps if you want to do it. And I did it. I took their money and so I took that cash and I invested it in two single cards. And that was a John ja Morant national treasure bronze RPA out of 49 and a Jason Tatum flawless RPA rookie patch auto gold out of 10. And that was only about, about five weeks later. We went back to that same New Jersey show, same same tables and everything, and the same guys that bought out my 30K came up to me and bought my Jason Tatum for me, and I paid 7K for that Jason Tatum, and five weeks later, I was able to flip it for 13K. So I made almost 100%. I mean, wh wh what can you do in life ever, aside from selling drugs, can you ever make that kind of flip? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, and they're not all going to be like that because if they were all like that, then everyone would be doing it. And then it wouldn't happen anymore because everyone would be doing it. So then it wouldn't, you know, so, but it doesn't always happen like that. And, uh, but it happened for me. So I'm taking that 13 K and I am trying my very best to make really smart plays moving forward. So I could turn that 13 K into 25 or 30 K. Nice. Nice. Now, now when you, did you feel when you bought the two cards, did you feel 
that was risky. Did you, I'm not going to say lose sleep over it. Did you worry about it when you bought the cards? Did you really, did you think to yourself, maybe I made a mistake or, or, you know, maybe a long time before I can flip these because of the time of year and the season of the sport? So great question, Ken. Um, not for a second did I think I was making a mistake. However, when you ask about was there any regret there, um, first of all, I knew I didn't make a mistake as far as an investment as far as an investment goes, is because everyone that knows more than me about the hobby was telling me what a good move it was to buy those two cards, unsolicited. You know, they they were saying, Rob, <laughs> those are some big cards right there. Those are cards that, you know, and I was, and I'm like, yeah, so I felt good about them. But in the back of my mind, I was like, when it comes to cards and we're trying to level up, right? And I'm not saying we're flipping and stuff. We're not flippers, but yeah, we're trying to level up. We're trying to buy cards at a certain price and then move cards at a certain price to get bigger cards at a certain price. So when I bought those cards, I know there's a limited buyer pool for those kinds of cards. So in my head, I just took 30 grand of my inventory and basically put it in a safe and 30 grand of my inventory is a lot of my inventory. Mm -hmm. So it kind I felt like it kind of took me out of the game a little bit. So after I made those two purchases, I found myself with making less sales, making less purchases, doing less flips and less deals and less trades because 30 K of my inventory was tied up. Mm -hmm. So, I had no idea how long I would hold those cards for. Now I still have the John Morant, the National Treasure RPA. And for me, and from what people that know more than me say, if John Morant becomes what they think he could become, even if he if he can manage to win a single ring in the next two years, his prices will probably do what Giannis prices did and what Luca prices did. And this card could immediately overnight go to a hundred thousand dollar card. And within five years, it could become a quarter million dollar card. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that, I I'm like, okay, I made the right choice, mm -hmm. but I didn't know if I'd be holding these cards for years. Now yeah. I want to tell you something because I didn't, I only think I told you about this, Ken. So the top two cards when it comes to high end cards, right? The top two brands, typically your national treasures and flawless, right? So national treasures and flawless are probably the most comparable, although national treasures definitely has the brand recognition and the name that recognition. So I think it's safe to say national treasures will always be worth a little bit more than flawless just because of the legacy and the brand and just the recognition, but they're very comparable. Mm -hmm. So I just sold my Jason Tatum gold RPA out of 10 flawless for 13 K you want to know what the Jason Tatum national treasures gold out of 10 RPA just sold for. Tell me 172,000. There's that much difference, that much difference between 150,000 plus difference between the two names. Well, I'm not telling all the facts. Okay. Um, so, the one that sold for national treasures is the vertical version and the one the flawless that i had was the horizontal version okay but other than that those are the facts so to me 
it definitely felt like, oh, I've even though I doubled my money in five weeks, yeah, it still feels like I sold too early. <laughs> it's like, you know, like so I think it just tells me that I got a hell of a deal when I bought it for 7K. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is because I, you know, when you have cash, money talks. Yeah. You know, when I when I made those two purchases, I had straight cash. I wasn't coming to them trying to offer half trade and half cash which is what I do with a lot of my deals. A lot of my deals, that's how I level up in this hobby is I, most of the time I try to offer part trade, part cash. And when I bought these two cards, I came with all cash and all cash talks. And I think I would bought it at the right time. NBA was in a bit of a lull. It was in a bit of a dull period right around the mid season point. And, you know, I, I bought at the right time and I think I sold at the right time. So a lot of it is, a, is time in the market. Yeah. I wonder how that guy feels that sold it to you. <laughs> like, I think I sold that at the wrong time. <laughs> but yeah. you know what, though? I think about, you know, how many, I think. And, and he may have gotten into that for 3500 right? And 100%. For 7000 100%. So, yeah. you know, the guy that actually, there were two guys that bought the Jason Tatum from me um, at the show last week. And they messaged me on Instagram and just saying like, thank you for the deal. Blah, blah, blah. I listened to the podcast. Great job. Love your podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And, um, and I told him, I said, man, I hope you guys kill it with this card. I hope you could forex your money. I hope Tatum wins it all and you can forex your money because, you know, I hope we all win. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. You just think about it. Uh, you bought, you bought this card for 7,000. You sold it for 13,000. Five weeks later, and you went on the pod, and you were told the whole deal, and the guy that knows that you bought it for seven, and he sold it to him for thirteen, he's thanking you for the deal. Yeah, I mean, where, where else? Where else could that happen? Yeah, and the crazy thing about you know, I mean, one reason why I feel really comfortable with starting to deal in the high end market, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, don't we all want to deal in the high end market? Don't we all want to deal in cards in five k or more? Yeah. You know, of course we do, but. The thing is, when you start dealing with cards like that, like a National Treasure RPA, a flawless RPA, you are dealing with the top 1% of that player's market. Chances are, it doesn't matter what cards come out for the rest of this player's life. They will never crack that 1% that a flawless or National Treasure RPA will. And they these are truly collectible items. So... If you're a Jason Tatum collector, or if you're a John Morant collector, if you're any of these guys, if you're a strong collector, you feel like you have to have that card. You have to have that card. And when it comes to collectors, when it comes to players, and when it comes to the market, all you really need are 75 people in the in the world, 75 to 100 people to decide like, huh. I think I'm going to become a Jason Tatum collector to completely have a seismic shift on the entire market for Jason Tatum. That's yeah. all you need. So that's why when these guys win rings and people start jumping on the bandwagon as far as rooting for teams or rooting for players, when these guys win, all it takes are 75 collectors to go in on a player to truly make that player's cards just skyrocket. And, and when these players come out, even as their rookie year, so I'm just going to say this, this 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 card that you just sold, um, 
the first the year that that card came out what would that card have sold for is, is that is that card in a lane that only certain people could afford for the most part or is this a card that that anybody i mean national treasures first of all is is an expensive box right um but i i mean i'm just wondering like for anybody even like myself like let, let's just say and it's prospecting i say I'm going to take a guy this year who's a rookie and I'm going to go buy that national treasures card or whatever. Really? What am I looking to spend in that? And am I putting myself in a lane that most people aren't in? Well, here's the thing. It depends. Are you planning on buying a national treasure RPA of the number one pick of the draft? Or are you planning on buying a national treasure RPA of the 23rd pick in the draft? because you know he's got a strong team and they're without a point guard and this guy's a point guard so he's probably going to start this year and he's going to a strong team as it is and you have faith in not only the player but the team Mm -hmm. if that's the case i would imagine it's a lot cheaper now if you want to pick if you want the number one pick in the draft or the number two pick in the draft national treasure rpa i mean right off the bat you could be looking at a fifty thousand dollar card yeah, but if you're going for that 23rd player in the draft, you might be able to get it for 2K. Yeah, and watch him, you know, 50x if he goes on to win a championship. Yeah, and I think that's why so many people do get into breaks because no one can afford that fifty thousand dollar number one draft pick. But if I go, if I buy into a break, then I at least have the chance to do that. And I think you know how I feel about breaks. I don't do breaks. I've done a single break in my life. And that was just to say I did. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I think breaks are, you've had some pretty decent luck, I think, but for yeah. me, yeah. for me, I, but you, not you all can miss time. me with the breaks. Yeah. Not all the time, but, but you know what? That's my mentality too. Um, a lot of times, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of free time on my hands. Right. So a lot of times, uh, and I talk about this on my, my podcast that I, I look for the odds, right? Yeah. I go and if I see boxes that are going to be broke, or even if I want to buy a hobby box of something, I go on to YouTube and I watch 15, 20, 25, 30 of those boxes being opened just to see what the general, like, are they pulling decent cards out of every box? Is there, are, you, are people getting their money back out of the box or is it, you just have to be very lucky. And there's a lot of boxes where you literally have to be extremely lucky to get your money back you know, to, to pull that one card out of the box. And I stay away from all those. I mean, I don't even get involved in those, but then there's other, other sports, right? Like, like some soccer boxes and UFC and other sports where there's just a lot of hits in the box. Now the box may be expensive, but you know, you could, you, you, you'll pull out of there, maybe five, eight, 10 cards that are, you, you could sell. And make some money on so so i i understand the the frowned upon of the break but i think there's certain ones if you you can get into you know you you could do well yeah um no definitely and like i said you it seems like you've done well i know you've told me a lot of, about your wins i don't you don't share your losses as no, much. i don't <laughs> share the losses like the wins because the wins are so much better yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that 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 first few weeks when i when i got it started getting into breaks and i hit the patrick mahomes you know one of 10 on card auto redemption 
I, I, you know, I, I saw a post on Facebook today. Somebody said, Hey, I put a redemption in. I've been waiting three months. Any idea how long it takes? And, can, and it was with Panini. And then people were responding back. It was hysterical. Somebody said, I've been waiting eight years for a for, for an auto card. And I've been waiting six years. And, you know, don't, don't expect it in the next decade type of thing, you know? So, uh, as much as I was excited about that card, I, I've come to the point where I'm probably never going to see that card. Um, so, so what did it do? It got me very excited and it got kept me going for a while into breaks. But then at the end of the day, I thought, really, that was a loss. That that hurt me. That that win hurt me more than helped me. You know? Yeah. And listen, you know, I think if it if I can give any kind of public service announcement to people, um, it's you know buy singles don't buy into breaks you know uh for everyone that gets a nice hit in a break there's a hundred other behind him that didn't get that hit you know yeah. and and you think about how much money people spend trying to chase some of these cards and if you spend that money on singles you'll end up with the collection of a lifetime yeah yeah it's exactly true it's exactly true and i i did a uh couple of weeks ago, I talked about the uh, uh, hockey uh, hobby box that I wanted just to get these two particular cards. And I bought two hobby boxes and I didn't get either of them. And the hobby boxes together, the series, the NHL series one cost, you know, $125 each. So I paid the 250 for the, and I didn't get the two guys that I wanted, the hot rookies. And then I went out and just bought their young guns, rookie cards, right. For $125 each. So at the end of the day, I caught me five hundred for two hundred fifty dollars worth of cards. So, yeah, you're right. It, it's 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 as much as you think you're going to hit. It's just you got to be lucky. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, you know, getting back in the hobby and uh, you know just. It's so much fun, man. And, you know, the whole the whole having a podcast thing, too, for me, it's just been an absolute hobby hack, you know, where, meaning where, where did you get the idea? I mean, what what said to you, you know, I want to start this this podcast and, and, and what lane did you want to be in with the podcast? Well, I tell you, man, you know, just just like with my previous answers I gave you, um, I have to backtrack before I can lead up to that answer, um, you know, so. So for in my 20s, for probably about five or six years, I had a radio show on college radio and University of New Haven. And uh, and I had a hip hop show. I'm a huge hip hop head. I grew up listening to hip hop. I loved it. 90s hip hop. And uh, and so I had a radio show that I hosted and I had my DJ who would do a lot of the mixes and I would be the one on the mic talking and stuff like that. And uh, I just loved it. So I was always like super comfortable being on the mic and stuff. And um, when that ended, um, probably a couple years later, I started up a mental health podcast because I'm a licensed therapist. So I started up a mental health podcast and just kind of talking about overall self-care, but like adding like a cool kind of twist to it, you know, showing that like therapy can be cool and, and, and self-care and self-awareness, uh, isn't lame. You know what I mean? Um, you know, cause I'm not your typical therapist, you know, it's like I ride a Harley Davidson. I have tattoos. I listen to hip hop. You know, I had a radio show, so it's like, that's not your typical therapist. So 
the podcast, the mental health podcast really, I think probably didn't work out because, you know, I had a co-host, I had a, a female co-host and, and, you know, it was kind of my brainchild. Um, but I think it just didn't work for whatever reasons, you know? So when I got back into the hobby, I'm like, I like the content that's out there, but I would love to document my journey of getting back into the hobby and everything I'm going through. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there like me. And then also if I can mix in some mental health and some self help awareness, uh, with the card collecting, I searched, there's nothing like that at all. Nothing like that out there. So I basically took my previous podcast, which was the mental health podcast and kind of merged that with sports cards and kind of turn that into sports card therapist. Nice. I, I mean, I, I thought too, when I was thinking about coming on and doing, and we talked about this as a podcast, um, when I came up with the idea of sports card lessons, it, it was it was similar to the same thing. It's just, I, I had all this great advice and I kind of didn't listen to it at first. I still wanted to, I still had to learn the hard way at a few things. And, and, and you know, similar, it just, felt like, you know, there was a lane that, 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 that I could jump into and, and, you know, with yours listening, listening to you do it. It's like, man, this guy is so good at it. Anybody could do this. Right. I mean, that's, that's what you think you're driving in the car and you're like, man, I know this guy. He sounds great on the radio. I could do this. <laughs> well, and yeah, no. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of both, right? I think it is pretty easy. Um, but sometimes it could be difficult being yourself when there's a microphone in front of you. Yeah. That's the thing. If you can kind of overcome that mental barrier and that anxiety and, and just kind of be comfortable with what you're doing. Um, yeah. but you also have to really know your stuff. You know, you can't get up here on the microphone, especially when you're doing a solo podcast. You know, when you're when you're interviewing someone and you have a guest on, at least for me, it's it's almost like throwing me a life raft. It's like, okay, this is easy. You know, I could do this all day. I could talk yeah. with a I could talk with a guest all day long. Yeah. But but when it's just you and the microphone, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide. There's no music playing. There's no breaks. There's no, no nothing. So if you don't know your stuff. Within probably 60 to 90 seconds, people start to be like, what the hell is he even saying? I, he's not even making sense. Like, yeah. so, Or to lose what? your train of thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely, man. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of really knowing your stuff and then being able to be comfortable being yourself with a microphone and a camera in front of you. Yeah. I, I, I always say there's nothing easier to talk about, you know, your lived experiences like to be able to come out and just talk about what you've been through and things that you've done. I mean, that's because that stuff comes from the heart. I mean, you, you, you can't fake that stuff. You can't make that stuff up. It's, it's just coming, you know, you're, you're just recalling from memory and talking about it. And I, I find that to be the easiest, the easiest thing to talk about. Um, and, and you're my first guest, right? So you're my first guest on here. So this is really kind of good for me. I'm, I'm a little bit more relaxed today. It's nice. I know what you're saying. It's nice to throw some questions, you know, over and then kind of just sit back and, you know, get the information a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's nice. It's a nice thing. And, and, you know, I think, you know, 
when we talked about, you know, when you were mentioning how you were kind of prepping for a podcast and stuff, I mean, I didn't have a doubt in my mind that it would be a home run for you. The only thing is, you know, how would it translate on the mic? And I think you've done an incredible job uh, because, you know, I know when you and I talk, you are, you're absolutely one of the most interesting people I've ever met. I mean, hands down, absolutely one of the most interesting people. I could talk to you for days and days and days. I mean, I think about, you know, how many hours we've probably spent in a car together. And I don't know if there's ever really, first of all, we can have uncomfortable silence. We can have comfortable silences. Like there's no uncomfortable silences with us. Like we're, we're, we're to that point now where we can just sit there and not say anything. And it's, it's totally comfortable, but there really isn't much silence because all we do is, is just talk. And I think we're just two talkative people who, who like learning and we like learning from each other and everything else, you know? So the idea of you doing a podcast, I said, well, it'll be a home run as long as it can transfer onto the microphone so um and it sounds like it has man i haven't missed an episode and you've been incredible and i think i've told you that you know listening to your first five episodes and i think back to my first five episodes hands down your first five were probably better than mine i was really feeling myself out whereas you i think it it was a bit it seemed like it was a bit more of a smoother transition for you so um, you know i have a great mentor too right i mean i learned from (laughs) Honestly, I mean, we talk and I learn from, I mean, you say, hey, when I did this, these are the kind of the mistakes I think I made at the beginning and you pass that on to me. I mean, even as far as starting this, like I know other people who are starting podcasts and now they're calling me up. They're like, oh, how do you do this? I don't know how to do that. You know, I, I think I've done it. I don't know how to get it here. How do I get it to be an MP3 or an MP4? And and you, you who, who does all your work for you, you know, with the, the music and the voice and the and like literally, if I would have had to start that on my own, I'd still been trying to get it done, right? I mean, you were just such a huge help to, to you know, gave me, pointed out and said, hey, just do this, 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 this and that. And 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 it's worked. I mean, I didn't have to worry about all that stuff. All I had to worry about was, was just putting out good content, right? So that I have to thank you for that. that I mean, it's just unbelievable how well you, you, you held my hand and walked me through that. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate that, but it was a that I have fun doing that kind of stuff. That's enjoyment for me because, you know, just like just like with anything, it's almost like uh, it's almost like information and teaching is almost like love. Like you get more of it the more you give, kind of thing, you know. So every time I help someone do something like that, all it does is reinforce my skills and sharpens my sword, you know, and I think that's why, you know, I love the idea of, of, of being a teacher and, and, you know, you and I, we both worked in corrections and, you know, you were an actual teacher. And even though I'm a clinician, a counselor, I was still facilitating groups. That was my primary, my primary job. And so, you know, when I'm facilitating groups with inmates, with lifers, I'm basically teaching. Yes, they're a teacher. Yeah. So, you know, I, I absolutely enjoy being able to teach. And I think about how many people in my life have been there for me and have, have held my hand and walked me through things. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, I think about like, you know, like a chain, you know, like a a chain in this necklace, you know what I mean? That I'm wearing. It's like, if this chain is only whole because every single part along the way if one of those people in my life that was there for me chose to not be there 
that entire chain link could have been broken. And yeah. and now it's like, now I'm, I'm somewhere completely different. Now I never meet you. I never meet, you know, I never do a podcast. I never get back into sports cards all because that one person back in 2007 spent three months with me at my job, you know, teaching me something random, yeah. you know? So, so I love it, man. So we're the sum of every experience and yeah. every person we've ever met in our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's well said. Definitely well said. We talk about it all the time. The universe puts us on certain paths, right? And and we don't know how we got here. And we look back and we say we could never do it again. There's no way we could go back five years or 10 years and say, I'm going to do everything to get back to this one spot because it would never happen. But but somehow we made it here and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, and, you know, on my podcast, sports card therapist, I talk a lot about the law of attraction because I, I totally believe in the law of attraction, you know, and, and I'm not someone that's like some like hokey kind of out in the woods, you know, meditating kind of person. But I, I truly believe that if you put out good energy, you get good energy. I believe in the whole karma aspect. And I believe that if you, if you truly set goals and you work to achieve those goals, anything is achievable. So when it comes to this hobby at the beginning of this year, right at the beginning of season two of my podcast, episode 51, because after 50 episodes at the 50th episode, I cut it off. I gave myself a two week break, boom, came back for season two. And I opened up season two and said, my goal for 2022 is to obtain a hundred thousand dollar sports card. A hundred thousand dollar card, a six figure card. Now, is there any difference if it's ninety five k or one hundred and ten k? No, but my thing is, I know. First of all, I know people. I've met people in this hobby that have worked their way up from thirty thousand dollar cards to all of a sudden purchasing hundred thousand dollar cards, and that hundred thousand dollar card within a three-year period, they were able to sell for over a million dollars. So in my, in my mind, I want to make the absolute smartest play I can, but be razor focused on my goal and all these moves and all these flips that I've been making, I'm hoping is going to help me attain that hundred thousand dollar card. And I actually have a couple of those cards, exactly what those cards are in mind. I, I speak about everything publicly, like on the podcast and stuff, but I haven't actually spoken about what those cards are that I've had in my mind. So I'm going to keep those on the hush, but there's a couple cards that are around a hundred thousand dollars right now that I truly believe can be million dollar cards within like 10 years. So right. those are the kind of cards that I am in the hunt for. Mm-hmm. So now I know you and we've done all these shows together and I know how hard it is for you to hold on to a card. <laughs> so, so it's going to take, you know, firm hands there to, to, you know, either that or, 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 or loose hands to keep flipping till you get there. Right. One or the other, we always say you make these big deals and uh, you say, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to take my time. And I say, yep, by Tuesday, by Tuesday, I'm getting a phone call or, or a text with a picture of, of the new card you bought. So. And you know what? So, you know, just to tell a little inside story, because I don't think I told this on my podcast or anything, but so, you know, I sell the Jason Tatum uh, card two weeks ago in New Jersey and I, you and I are driving home together. I, I have about 15 K in my pocket. And I said, listen, I need you to do me a favor, Ken. 
I need you to make sure I don't spend this money because I because we have a show at Hofstra University in Long Island in two weeks. And I want to go there with all of this money because I want to get some deals and I want to buy cards from people that are coming to our table. So I need you to stay on me about this. Within about three days, almost all the money's gone. I think I've spent Lots of pictures. I've spent about 12K already out of the 15. But let me tell you something. Yes, well, almost, almost every card though that I've purchased so far, I've traded up into. So I've done part cash, part trade. So instead of me buying a, a $4,000 card with 4K cash, I'm spending 2K and then I'm trading 2K. And then, so not only, and I'm buying during off season. So, you know, I'm trying to invest that money in a football right now because I know football's not hot, but people are not talking about football right now. People are talking about the baseball season starting and basketball playoffs. So football's kind of still on the back burner. Football's still on the back burner. So probably about June, maybe early July. And then that's when I'm planning on unleashing all these cards that I've been hoarding for the last few months football and i'm hoping with those cards at national you and i are going to be setting up right i'm hoping that after national i'm able to make that move into that 100k card that's how confident i am with my strategy i'm thinking that i'm not going to need the full 12 months of 2022 i'm thinking i'm only going to need eight months oh so by august august by august if all goes according to plan i should be in a position to pull the trigger on a hundred thousand dollar card and we're going to be doing an episode just like this talking about that that hundred thousand dollar card you know it's funny you know and i know you believe in this and i know it was new year's eve last year and you said we have our little our our, our wolf pack chat you yep. know a group of us guys in the in, in the hobby and and you sent out you know top five for next year right yep. everybody to fill out a top five and the interesting thing is i have three of my five cards already that i put on there and i've had them you know for like like literally by i think february you know maybe march at the latest i had three of those five cards and i didn't aim that high because you know that's me i um there was my lane i was in i'm playing it safe and playing it smart and and you know the other two now i think i'm just gonna forget about the other two and just go really big you know go Definitely. start looking you know and we talked about this you know earlier the the the, the cards <laughs> that you know, i'm just going to start leveling up i've been selling just a lot of my you know my lower end cards just to start you know purchasing a couple higher end cards and i i, I talked about that i'm going to say because it's kind of funny to say i talked about that on last week's podcast but last week's podcast is actually hasn't been released yet so yeah i know i know you know but by the time this comes out it's going to be last week right so you know i just talked about that on my pod saying you know i'm just starting to move all these cards and and i'm starting to just like you did i'm learning from you you know my mentor right just starting to to trade up sell up and and to start putting you know a lot more more expensive fire in my cases at these shows and start you know eliminating the the, the bottom end absolutely and and you know 
really everything I do in this hobby or everything I'm thinking, I process it with you basically. So, you know, I told you that I have three cases that I usually set up with. And I said, moving forward, I'm not bringing three cases. I, I refuse to. I'm only bringing two. And that's going to force me to truly consolidate, truly. There's no reason why I should have a third case that has $15 slabs in there. Like, yeah. what am I doing? You know, 15, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm truly fully consolidating now. Um, you know, we know guys that set up and they have, you know, a single case and they have a hundred thousand dollars in the, in those cases. And, and I know it's not so much about the money, but at the end of the day, you know, when, when you're doing these shows, it's about the value of the cards, right? We want, you know, and if someone says they don't care about the value of their cards going up or down. I, I I gotta say they're lying. Like we all we all want bigger, better, badder cards. And because I think it's a challenge for us, right? Like it's like if you can drop me in the middle of a jungle buck naked with nothing, and I can come out wearing a chinchilla fur eating uh eating a hog you know that's a badge of honor if you yeah. can drop me in this hobby and say now go make money flipping cards you know what that's a badge of honor too yep. so there's no difference between dropping me in a jungle and dropping me at a card show where the place is just buzzing i absolutely want to challenge myself to make the best moves and level up to, to the best of my potential and don't get me wrong i have my pc you have your pc in your case behind you i have my pc and my glass case behind me like i have my pc cards i'm not moving but i also have my inventory of stuff that i'm just constantly trying to move up with yeah yeah and, 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 you know one thing i talk about too is is it's a lot of work uh you know my my table at the shows have been very congested right just because I have a lot going on and it's a lot of work for me. It's a, it's a, it's three, four, five hours during the week to get ready for the show. And then when I get there, I've got to set all this stuff up and, and, you know, you see, I, I'm selling a ton of stuff and making, you know, X amount of money and somebody's selling one card and making the same amount. I said, you know, it, my time is more important, you know, so I, I want to get more into, into the hobby where, I can show up to these shows, set my case up, and then just like you do, walk off and go find some deals, right? And not 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 be so uh, so you know overwhelmed with setting everything up and doing that, and packing the car. And I mean, I showed up to pick you up, and I got half the car full. You show up with a couple of cases in a box, and we're trying to fit them in. I'm like, I got way too much stuff here. I really I really need to start eliminating, you know. So. Yeah, and that's that's really my goal too. Now we talked about this moving forward is just to have, you know, a few cases and 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 that's it. Just some some just better cards in there, you know, something that I could move up at any moment. I could be ready to move up, you know. So I, pe people that people that have the cards to move up too, you need cards to move into that lane, right? You need to have. You can't have. $60 slabs and $90 slabs and $125 slabs and be able, and and realistically move into a three or $4,000 card or a $5,000 card. You need to have, you know, thousand, 1500, $2,000 slabs in your case. If you want to be moving up to that. And, and that's the lane I want to be in. And I think that's, you're, you're, you're in that lane moving to the, to, to, to a higher lane. Yeah. And, you know, I think, 
you know, I think about the phases that I've gone through in this hobby and, and I think a lot of us have probably gone through similar ones, but you know, I've gone through my phases where every single night I was glued to eBay. Every single night I was glued to eBay to the point where my wife was like, Rob, you are on your phone too much. What are you doing on your phone? Every single day I was getting three to five packages in the mail every single day, every single day. And what I realized was it wasn't even so much about the card. It was something about the transaction. And I, and, and I started to realize like, I think I'm, it's almost like becoming addicted to shopping, right? Because, you know, the shopping addiction, that is definitely a, a, one of those kind of secondary addictions that people struggle with. And I think that's what was happening. But what was happening also was I was ending up with a ton of like 30 to $60 cards that just weren't moving. So it's like, no one wants these cards. I bought them for 30. I'm hoping to sell them for 45, but no one's buying them, especially when they go on eBay and they look up the card and they see it was just bought for 30. Now they want to buy it for 20. And it's like, what am I doing here? So, so I had to make a conscious effort to stop spending on eBay and when I was able, I think that was my biggest struggle. My biggest struggle was finally stopping spending and, and I had to stop cruising eBay. I had to stop just opening up the app because I was opening up the eBay app as much as I was opening up Instagram or Facebook, you know, and we open up those apps, you know, between 10 and 50 times a day. Yeah. So always you know, check your watch list and your, yep. your purchase history and what's coming in the mail today. And yeah, and we've talked about this. I mean, that the worst part about it is if you're buying on there and you put it in your case, the next person shows up at the show and they pull up your sale right there on the phone and they know exactly what you paid for it. And, and they don't want to pay a dollar more. So if you want to, if you want to move the card, you're you've done all the work for nothing. And then you got to add shipping on it. Nobody, nobody ever calculates shipping. They never say, Oh, geez, you bought the card for $150, but it was ten dollars shipping, and you know. And then tax on top of it, right? hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, and, or even worse, you know, if you buy a $25 card and, and between tax and shipping, yeah, like you said, it ends up being like eight to $10 between tax and shipping. So that $25 card, someone wants to buy it from you for 20, but I spent 33 on it. So in what business can you stay in business when you're losing 33% of every card you can't? Yeah. So so what I had to do, it wasn't so much about breaking the habit of buying the smaller cards. It was about breaking the habit of spending in general. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now. I mean, literally, that's where the point I've gotten to now. And, and it's not so much just spending, but it's just uh, money well spent. Right. Being a, be, instead of buying, you know, a bunch of hundred and hundred and fifty dollar things. Right. I'll take all those and buy a 900 or a thousand dollar card. Right. So in my mind, that's, that's where I'm at now. Uh, I'm not going to be buying these low end. And, and I say a thousand, you know, I would say maybe from 500 up there, 500, 700, 800, that, that, that's where my starting point is. That's what I want to find, but it's not going to be on eBay. Right. It's going to be, it definitely has to be off of eBay. It's going to be, you know, Instagram or Facebook groups, or even at shows, you know, from other shows. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the lesson, yeah. right? This, that's the lesson. It's what you learn in the hobby. And once you get in, there's people have been in here for years and um, they're always changing, always adapting, even in, even in, even in today, 
you know, because you see guys that have been doing this for years and they never use the internet. And they'll talk to you about, you know, doing, working in this hobby from a magazine and getting prices out of a magazine. And that's all anything anybody had to go by. And they, they talk about how this, you know, the eBay and everything, it's really hurting hurting the hobby at the shows and stuff because they're kind of being left, left behind a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, so let's talk about uh, our upcoming shows. Yes. So I know we've got Hofstra as our next show, April 23rd, 24th. Um, and um, we're looking forward to that show. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you got any, if you're going to have oh money left God. to spend, but hundred percent a hundred percent uh yeah so so we're doing the hofstra show um which is gonna be huge you know and then after that we have the Laz show in new york city right in manhattan right across from uh, madison square garden at the new yorker hotel then the week after that we have autograph fest in new jersey the probe scene show rick probe scene that's gonna be huge that's gonna be awesome yeah and that's a three. So the Big Apple's a two-day show. It's May eighth, May 9th, Saturday, Sunday, right? And I and I was just informed by the calendar that that's Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day is that Sunday. Um, so I didn't I didn't make any huge points at home. <laughs> with the, I know. Show out on on Mother's Day on Sunday. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I hear you. I hear you. And. and uh, Posting's the weekend after that. That's a yep. three-day show, right? That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. 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 Yeah. Then so. we have then we have Mohegan, Mohegan Sun in June. Mohegan Sun Casino in June. Then I think we have Springfield at the end of June. Then yep. before you know it, we have national. Nationals. Yeah. Now are you doing the um are you doing the uh, trade night at Mohegan Sun? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep, doing it's, trade night. Is it going to be as big as the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame? I hope so. I hope, you know, I hope every everything just continues to slowly go up, right? I hope every show we do is bigger than the last. I hope every trade night we do is bigger than the last. I hope every podcast episode has a few more streams than the last one, you know, all of that. Yeah, always, always aiming higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, man, listen, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, and don't forget, uh, listeners of Sports Card Lessons, Ken is going to be on my show, Sports Card Therapist, within the next one to two weeks. The official announcement's been made here. You're hearing it here first. He's going to be on my pod. We don't have an exact date set, but it would be within one to two weeks of this show airing. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Nice. Looking forward to that, Rob. Likewise, so likewise. So hey, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank thank you for being my uh my first guest. Absolutely. First it's guest. a pleasure, man. Are you kidding me? It is an absolute pleasure, Ken, man. I, I tell you, it's it's I I've met few people in this life that I feel like, you know, are as kind as you, you know, and uh just just a good dude overall, man. And I love the content you're putting out. I mean, you're putting out great podcasts. So just keep it up, man. Keep up what you're doing and uh and you're gonna be a real force in this content creation uh av avenue for sure. Thank you. And I, I just want to make one comment to that and I appreciate all those kind words. Yeah, you know, when 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 we did the first show together and I came home and 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 Sherry said to me, Oh, how did it go? And I said, you know what? 
regardless if I do anything in the hobby, Rob and I will be friends for life because he's <laughs> just that kind of guy. And, and we just had an instant connection and, uh, and, and really appreciate your friendship and your, your mentorship in the hobby and your podcast, unbelievable, both of them, both of them. They're my go-to every week, you know, your own podcast and the bounce with on them. So thanks again Thank for coming you. in and, uh, coming on and uh, we'll look forward to the next time. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please tell a friend, spread the word until next time. Be good to yourselves and everyone around you. Mm -hmm.